This is Mark Bagley, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for our 30th episode. Man, almost like another milestone here of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, Dan, if this was the 90s, maybe this would be our Polybags episode. I think we've already had a few of those. We had a Chromium one for 25, but, you know, they, they, they started doing it every five issues in the 90s. So, yeah. so maybe this is our glow-in-the-dark cover. Yeah, I like uh, that idea. <laughs> and, well, anyway, for episode 30, in addition to having glow-in-the-dark podcasting, we'll be discussing Superior Spider-Man number 27 now, answering <laughs> some fan mail, discussing all the spider news that's fit to thwip. And then discuss some memories of Amazing Spider-Man numbers 568 to 573, also known as New Ways to Die. If you guys want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Also, if you hear this for unforgettable sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Let's get right to it, Mark. Superior Spider-Man 27, now! So yes, Dan, Superior Spider-Man number 27 now, and I, I have to add that on Chasing Amazing, I'm refusing to use the word now, and, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a principle thing, but uh, but it's now, it's all new Marvel now, and, and it's the, the setup for, for Goblin Nation, I mean, it's just the first part, um, you know, can't say a ton of stuff happens, but you know what I really enjoyed about this issue, Dan, was I, I like that um, Dan Slott really put all the cards on the table in terms of you know the, the, the by i guess maybe by setting it 31 days later or whatever you know we we, we open up the city is under siege spider you know spider rock knows he's failed and you know he's he's he knows he knows who is targeted and he's, he knows it's the green goblin and, and he, he keeps referring to him as osborne and even at norman at one point too right dan yeah absolutely um, but, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the fact that, you know, that one scene where they're, they're sitting against, uh, sitting across from each other and, and the Green Goblin's talking to him. And, you know, he knows the secret. He's like, this is, this is it. This is what it has to be. We can be partners or you can just go through me. And it's like, there's no teasing. There's no tiptoeing around, tap dancing or anything like that. It just, it just goes for the jugular right away. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I do think it is funny that it opens with a 31 days, uh, 31 days from now, even though this is a now issue. Uh, but the <laughs> goblin scene is the, I think the thing you come to this uh, story for because you realize that these two people with the same exact goal are sitting at a table, and that's what good drama comes from. You know, the, like two people who want the same thing and only one of them can have it. Now go. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I really keyed in on that scene with the two of them just talking to each other. And actually, it was just really the Goblin doing the talking. I mean, you, you don't have Spider-Rock set, you know, react to anything until the very, very last panel when it was like, you know, you could be my, my second in charge. And, you know, of course, Otto's ego couldn't handle that. But it, it, it was kind of this nice, quiet moment where you could really absorb the history of these two characters. Now, granted, this is... You know, potentially, well, it's definitely a new dynamic on one end with it being Doc Ock and Spider-Man's body. And, you know, despite all the evidence really pointing to Norman Osborn, uh, we still don't know exactly what the circumstances are with the Green Goblin. So 
But regardless, it's like it's it's it always seems to come down to these two characters. It's Spider-Man, it's Green Goblin. And and I know the promotion kind of pa- painted it that way, but that that scene really just kind of drove that point home for me. It was like just a, a, a calm before the storm where you could just take take it in. Right. Yeah, I really want more things like this in this book. You know, so many of these uh, books feel like we're rushing through moments. We talked about that, like, in uh, issue 25. We thought it kind of rushed through the reveal that Peter Parker was still there. And here, like, this scene was really allowed to live, you know? And it it reminds me of some of the work that Bendis is doing in the Ultimate Spider-Man book, where you have Miles kind of really allowed to live in a scene. There's a particular scene in a recent issue where he... He hangs the guy up, uh, the head of Roxxon up by a web, and he's just dangling there for two pages. And, you know, uh, things like that and this, like, really allow, like, we get to really understand the characters and the situation that we're in. And it adds your favorite word, Mark, uh, gravitas, uh, to, to the moment. <laughs> Yes, that is that is one of my favorite words. But um, yeah, no, I, we, we definitely seem to be in agreement on that. And and you know, and then you know, they followed up with a really good action sequence. Um, you know, we could talk a little bit about uh, the the Spider Rock Avatar and uh, its tangibleness and abilities, which seem to kind of grow by leaps and bounds each appearance it makes. But um, like I said, it was just good to have that that little quietness and reflection the moment of reflection before we really you know before spider island got blown to smithereens assumedly right yeah yeah (laughs) so what's so what's up with this avatar dad (laughs) i don't know what's up with this avatar i mean i like the idea that this avatar like exists and and i like the way that slot incorporates like no there's no throwaway story for him like i wouldn't be surprised if the time door found a way into this Goblin Nation story. You know, that everything has a point and everything counts. And this avatar counts. Although I'm a little unsure of the mechanics of it. Like, how does the avatar have spider sense? That has me, like, a little concerned. Considering <laughs> Otto doesn't even understand the spider sense. Yeah, yeah. He just says, oh, spider sense? Like, how is this, how is this working? I, I, I don't really know how that how that operates. And in a way, I complained last uh, podcast about, you know, um, Roderick Kingsley becoming this unkillable thing. I almost think this avatar system is almost the same way. Like, who's to say that, you know, Otto will ever leave, uh, you know, the control from the avatar? I imagine it's going to get blown up in the destruction of Spider Island 2. But, like, with this tool, like, why ever go out of Spider-Man ever again? Yeah. Good point, but <laughs> I don't have an answer. But um, what did you think about Green Goblin and his army of misfits behind him? Oh, my goodness. I could stare at that all day. The, the highlight for me being the man in the unicorn outfit or, like, the dude in the strange silver hazmat suit. <laughs> it's just it's just some crazy stuff, and I just love how Slot just pulls all this stuff out of out of random bits of continuity. I don't even know if Spider-Man has ever fought any of these guys, but, you know, the I guess... Ape, our good friend, the 8-Ball guy, is back. Yes. Who is 8-Ball? I, I, I don't know this character. <laughs> I, I, I have no clue. I, I really We need to do a character bio on him at some point. Okay, as long as it's not like me and a no-prize again. So this is someone who's a little more obscure, right? <laughs> this is not a no-prize situation. Okay, very good, very good. Um, no, it was just a great scene. And, you know, and Common Coley, we'll get to him in a little bit. But uh, I, I enjoyed uh, – I, I pretty much enjoyed everything that Common Coley did in costume uh, in this issue. Um, but we, we also got um, – some scenes with uh, some supporting cast members who we do recognize and do and do have some stories. Um, you know, we, we check in with Anna Maria, and it looks like a, a proposal is is uh, in the in the works. Is if, if unless I mis misread that image, right, Dan? Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely the intent. And uh, the question being, with the next uh, issues cover, will he manage to have to do it in time? <laughs> I don't know. Or as as the ad for the next issue said, Green Goblin plays chess, or is it a metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this was this was Stephen Wacker's last issue as as Spidey editor, and I just felt like he just 
this rage to its snark all over those last few pages. Yeah, uh, it I, was pretty hysterical, I thought. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second, too. But um, And then we also had uh, Uatu Jackson, um, who is kind of uh, very tech-savvy, helped figure out what was going on with the... With the um, with the uh, what do you call it the the hack into um, the Octobots and 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 Spider Rock surveillance system? I thought he was used pretty well, right? Yeah, I kind of like that. He's almost like the new Kurt Connors, you know, in a way. Like his Spider Man's almost like like weird assistant he swings and interrupts uh, throughout his day. Yeah, I mean, what was what was your takeaway from the fact that he wasn't answering Peter's calls? Well, I think everybody's pretty peeved with. Uh, with um, Peter and and especially him because Peter went out of his way to hire Sajani to come and work for him and kind of just left Uatu you know on the dock there um, a, a few issues back so I would I understand it makes sense that he's peeved with him okay no that's cool I just I you know it was it was just a moment for a second I guess maybe I, yeah I forgot that that was Uatu who was stranded as as Modell makes his getaway so that that makes sense to me now. Um, See, Dan, this is why I like talking to you about these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, the, um, I'm the knowledge guy, and you're the, the, the literary critic. There you go. There you go. Uh, I think I, I have some knowledge. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just slighting you here. I'm slighting you Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we got some Mason Banks, everybody's favorite uh, master of the skies, right? Yeah, yeah. He gets his first few actual lines, I think, here. So he's becoming a character. And uh, I'm still just as skeptical uh, about him as we were before because he does mention uh, to Tiberius Stone how hastily – the um, the the spider uh, the spider slayers have been assembled, and uh, I don't know if you're a you want to put another bet down here, Mark, or if it, we're not, we're not we're not disagreeing, but me thinks that uh, that this hastily whipped up spider uh, slayers might be quickly assumed by a th- interested third party, namely Mason Banks or the Green Goblin. Uh, it's it, it certainly seems that way. Um, although you know Jonah definitely seems to have a harder edge of vengeance this time for Spider-Man. We can get to that in a second. But you know the, the one thing I did notice about Mason Banks when looking closely, you know, part of part of you know the whole theory that Mason Banks is somehow connected to this whole Goblin mystery was that you know he was wearing the same suit um, as the guy who was in Shadow as the Green Goblin in, uh, in I think it was issue sixteen. Um, but also, like, just from a distance, he kind of he, – he resembled an Osborne. But up close – this is going to sound crazy, Dan. He didn't have Osborne hair. I agree. He could be wearing a wig. And yeah. also, this is Common uh, Coley drawing it. And I think his hair tends to be a little um, loose. I mean, there's been some of his issues where Peter's been a blonde, although I, I know that's not his doing. Um I don't know. We've not seen a common Coley Norman, so I'm not so quick to toss that aside. Okay. All I know is like Osborne hair, man. It's like, you know, it's as essential to the character as the goblin mask. You right. Know? The, the Tootsie Roll hair. <laughs> yes. Curly, as MJ would call Harry <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, it was just something that crossed my mind because it was the first thing I, I, I noticed when I was looking at Mason Banks. I was like, Oh, is how, how much does he look like Norman here? And I'm like, where's the hair? Come on! <laughs> I mean, this is a world where people wear goblin masks that look like they're form-fitting, and people can wear faces that they can just pull right off. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pull his whole face off, much less the hair and the mustache is being fake. I would not disagree with you, Dan. I just, I just want, I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. Um, but what about Jonah in this issue? Now, I mean, was it just me or, you know, that, that very chilling line, like, I, you know, I want him to know that his death was by my hand. Like, I mean, I had said back when Spider-Rock double-crossed Jonah during Superior 13, like, oh, you know, Jonah's not the guy to piss off. But, whoa, like, that was <laughs> that was dark for Jonah. Like, I haven't seen him that rage since Alistair Smythe, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Jonah's got his own maybe come up and coming. I mean, this guy has been quite the mayor, you know, like if if it's manipulating, you know, the death penalty to 
I mean, what what isn't this guy doing like that is unethical as mayor? You know, so I don't know. I've always said it. I don't think D- Jonah's time as mayor is long is long uh, long in the tooth here. No, definitely. I mean, it, it could be a comeuppance, but either way, it just kind of struck me as I mean, you know, obviously Jonah's desire to. Um, bring Spider-Man to justice. You know, it's it's the core part of the character. But you know, to 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 wish for his death. I don't know. Like, when was the last time he he outwardly called for his death? I don't know. I don't. I mean, I I never knew his full motivations back in the Stan Lee stuff. It seemed like he was gunning for his death. Um, but like, yeah, who knows? I've never seen it this explicitly stated. Well, it was um, more like in the in the early days. Like, oh, I hope you're webbing breaks you know what i mean like it was like more like you know you cocky sob i hope you know like you run into a brick wall or i hope the goblin defeats you or whatever you know what i mean like it but but like yeah i this just there was just a harder edge to it and and it kind of kind of spooked me because it made me wonder you know how how far is jonah gonna go on this this time around you know like and and especially especially if things go all haywire because of the the machinations of mr banks yeah, I mean, if Spider-Man is nothing if not like a, a morality book, you know, about characters making decisions and living with them. A decision like J- uh, Jonah's to uh, murder Spider-Man, um, you know, I can't help but think that it's going to have some kind of backlash on him. Definitely. Um, but um, let's go back for a minute and talk about the Mindscape scenes, if you're interested. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, um <sighs> So we got some. So, first of all, actually, before we get to the mindscape, let's talk about thirty-one because I think thirty-one kind of leads into it. So thirty, there, there, there seems to be a fascination with thirty-one in this series right now. Where thirty-one days later, we learn that Peter, Peter within the mindscape, has thirty-one memories to his name currently. That's like what he was able to recover. Um, and then just for kicks, uh, Superior ends at issue thirty-one. Um, now. If we want to draw parallels on Amazing Spider-Man, 31 is, of course, the first part of the you know the three-part uh, Master Planner arc, and that is the "If This Be My Destiny." Uh, um, I don't know. What do you what, what's what, what do you think is up with 31, Dan? I don't really know what to make of it. I think it's, it could be just the writer having a good time. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I wonder if we're gonna ever get like a list of what these memories are. Like, I could see some like slot manifesto coming down where it's like these are the 31 key issues of spider-man that matter still or something i don't know if we'll ever get it spelled out but like it seems like you could probably catalog these drawings that we've seen so far and figure out what they are and most of them seem to be seem to be like uh you know dicko lee issues yeah, although in this one we actually got a nice hodgepodge because we got the the burglar running past him from Amazing Fantasy. We got um, the Juggernaut fight. So glad That's to true. see glad to see Roger Stern get some love. Um, we saw the first kiss with MJ, and I want to put a pin in that for a second. And then also the symbiote uh, leaving him. Uh, I think a la two our our favorite Ron friends who issue two fifty eight. Um, We're not going to see the Fire Lord thing because we know that Dan Slott doesn't like that issue. Oh, is that true? I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's one of my favorite fights, and you know the Juggernaut yeah, I is love, awesome too. But I love the Fire Lord issue. My my goodness. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, when when did Slott say that? He said it in an interview a while back that um, that like he thinks like uh, that uh, you know it, it it makes him no longer a street level character um, in his power set. Uh, I would disagree, but, you know, uh, to hey, each man. their own. What does the legendary Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends know, you know? <laughs> um, so I was thinking when I was looking over at the memories that um, were were used in that sequence, and, you know, with the MJ and the kiss, you know, it. it I guess even even with amnesia, we're, we're leaving the door open with MJ again, right? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, too. Um, it seems like a pretty... Uh, decisive thing to put in there and leave that memory i mean i don't see them jumping so quickly back to it but it might be a nice way to re to restart it and bring fans back to the book and say we've got this core relationship going i i I don't know i'm not i'm not so like um especially with the way that mj has been characterized recently 
<laughs> this is finally how they did it. They finally got me to not care about this because I, she's been characterized poorly. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean that's a that's an unfortunate byproduct, but I mean it, it's it's not so much like I'm like, "Ooh, let's get excited. They're getting back together," but like it just it, it it's its use was intentional, I would think, you know? Like yeah, I mean, it's an iconic image, you know, for sure. Yeah, and and just the sheer fact that I mean it seems like everything else we've we've gotten in terms of these memories have kind of called back to more of like Peter overcoming odds and, you know, within, you know, kind of within himself, you know, like whether it's uh, lifting the steel or pulling himself out of the grave in Craven's last hunt that we saw in uh, one and a couple issues ago or juggernaut. I mean, it's just, it just kind of struck me, but um, at the same time, you would remember if, uh, if you finally kissed Mary Jane, that would be a memory that would be etched in your mind. (laughs) Sure. Yes. She's a model and she's hot. Uh, <laughs> just to put it bluntly. Yeah, but 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 we, but we forgot the marriage, so <laughs> we're not forget. Sorry, it never happened. Yeah. Uh, um. But uh. So, but the one thing about the mindscape stuff that kind of annoyed me and gave, gives me a little bit of trepidation was kind of how they transitioned out of it, where you know Peter is like, oh, uh, you know, I haven't gone into Otto's. Otto's memories let's give it a try and then like you know he goes in we get this trippy little uh illustration sequence from Kamakoli and then he comes out and he's baby Otto um and he keeps saying I'm Peter Parker I'm Peter Parker with a fading and I'm like are we about to do this Peter as Doc Ock thing again because we did this in Dying Wish and it's like I, I know I've seen this movie I know it, it's probably going to end differently this time around but I, I don't know I don't know if I need this this gimmick again I don't know what do you, what about you yeah I mean I could see maybe like the poetic you know stance of this like you know Doctor Octopus has you know had his chance to be you know Peter Parker and and now Peter's getting his chance to relive the memories of Doctor you know Octopus but yeah it does seem familiar. I don't really know the mechanics of it, and it has that weird implication that, like, Peter is 31 drops of water in an ocean, and that he's going to lose himself in there. Like, are we going to get some kind of weird Frankenstein monster when uh, when Peter returns that's, like, half Otto and half Peter Parker? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That sounds too complicated to me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's not thinking small, though. No, it's not. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, we'll put a pin in that obviously, but I, I, I do hope that's not the case. Um, I just, you know, I, 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 to me, I get, I get why they need to keep turning the screws with Peter. It's, it's compelling. It, it adds drama. It adds intrigue, it, you know, cliffhangers, yada, yada. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I, I already see the circumstances that, he, that are being set up as being really, hard insurmountable odds you know like how is he going to get his life back together is he going to get his life back together i mean even if he you know even once he regains control of his body which seems to be inevitable at this point like what does that even mean you know like we we talked about this last episode you know we talk about going back to the basics of the character but i mean like we're even going back before the basics it seems if he's got selective amnesia and like and you know so like it already seems like there's enough there so like do do we need to add an element of you know he's lived as doc ock or doc ock is part of him or you know like that just seems to be too many twists yeah yeah i i agree with you i think more than anything these sequences are probably just going to be how peter discovers something in otto's past which allows him to you know either get more powerful himself and his confidence or, you know, or, you know, find some weakness in auto that he can exploit. I think that's probably what we're going to see. No, no, but you know what, if that's what it is, I'll be fine with it. But, uh, you know, just, just wanted to float that, float my idea of cynical cynicism out there, uh, for, for half a second. Yeah. Um, so what did you think, um, about well, do we want to talk? Do we do we want do we want to talk about who the goblin is again, or are we <laughs> have we officially beaten that horse beyond horse meat recognition? Yeah, I don't have anything new to add to it except for that. Like every word that comes out of this guy's mouth sounds more and more like Norman Osborn. 
Yeah, I think I think more so, and we'll talk about this when we do the our our classic issues section in a bit when 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 we have Dan Slott's first scripting of of Osborne. But I I I would say that this issue sounded the most like Osborne that we've heard in any prior superior comic and he also references like past histories with you know with doc ock and like their you know days of building a criminal empire together like who else could this be i mean is it like another member of the sinister six that just seems it's mysterio the whole time controlling a robot from the ultimate universe and that's why the mask hasn't come off because it's a robot yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Yeah. Uh, j- just so everybody knows, that was a joke. <laughs> it's Miles Morales. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that to you. All right. So so we'll, we'll, we'll move past Norman and maybe talk some more about Common Coley here. Yeah, yeah. Common Coley's art. Mark, what'd you think? Um, kind of as I alluded to earlier, I really liked his his costumes. Uh, not not specifically his co- like the costumes themselves, but his people in costumes. I, I, I like I feel like he he's getting more and more polished. And you know, I had a little bit of anxiety about him doing this major major arc, only because it seemed as if Ramos had always been Slot's go to guy in, in recent years for the for the big stuff or or, or uh, Stefan Caselli, um, but. No, Kamakoli looked really good, and uh, you know, his people. I, I, I still, I still need this. Still want to see a little more expressiveness out of his people out of costume. Like I thought, his Jonah panel that we we re- referred to earlier was really strong. Like there was a lot of emotion in Jonah's face there. But um, you know, his his Peter, as we've talked about, kind of gets a little wonky from time to time. He's uh, kind of a stocky Peter. Yeah, it's 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 definitely the most different of all the Peters um, that we've seen uh, over the last couple of years. Um, but but no, but 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 I, I'm I'm looking forward to more Kamikoli, especially the Spider-Man versus Green Goblin stuff. I thought that looked especially good, and his Goblin is really good too. Yeah, this, I think this is the best. I've never been a huge fan of his Goblin, but I think th- in this issue the Goblin looks great. He really figured it out. It's a more lean and less uh, like twisted in like the shadows uh, goblin. And I think in past ones we've seen him really play up strong shadows on the goblin's face. And here it's fully revealed. And the sequence of them sitting at the table is really wonderful. Um, though I don't know like necessarily that he brings the level of character to it that like someone like um, you know Stegman would bring. You know. I don't feel like there's a lot being done with the body posturings of these characters in the way that like other people on this book have done, but I really enjoyed it still and um, look forward to seeing it get a little broader with more action because I think that's where, uh, you know, Kamen Coley really excels is been flinging these characters through the air uh, against each other. So that I'm looking forward to. All right. So we want to give this a grade, Dan. Yeah. What'd you think, Mark? Uh, I, I'm giving it a B plus. I mean, I, th- I thought it was a really good opening opening act. And I'm right there with you. Uh, B plus, you know, it does exactly everything it needs to do in setting up all the pieces. And you know, the Green Goblin plays chess at the end. Yes, he plays chess. Which, or is it a metaphor? I guess we'll never know, or we'll know in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we why don't we mosey into our our mail and and iTunes comment section? Okay, everybody. Well, as we have said in past episodes, we love to read your comments on the air. So uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com and we will read your email. Um, And if you leave us a comment on iTunes uh, through the uh, iTunes store, 
Uh, you rate us, give us some stars, uh, then write some kind words, and we'll read them. Or we'll, we'll read the unkind ones, too. But we haven't gotten any unkind ones yet. I don't think so, Dan, right? No, no. We've got, like, two four out of five. So uh, oh. to... oh, that's uh, so awful. It really, burn... oh it really burns me up at night. So why don't we get right to our uh, comment from iTunes. This is one is uh, Superior Spire Podcast, five out of five, and it's from... Um, it's Rock, it's Sofidel, and if I said that wrong, I apologize. Uh, this person writes: both of these gentlemen have their know their stuff about amazing slash superior Spider-Man. Great podcast for all Spider fans. Keep up the superior work. Awesome, thanks, Oscaru. Uh, we have an email here, and it doesn't really have a question in it, but I thought it was definitely worthy of being read. And it reads like this: Hi, Mark and Dan. Thanks for your great work on the podcast. Living in Australia, I look forward to each new show because it allows me to tune in to a wider conversation about a character and series that I love. And your take on each issue is always informed, thoughtful, and gentlemanly. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> well, almost always informed. Mark, I have to say, my jaw dropped when you revealed you had never heard of a no prize. After all your years of reading Marvel, for shame. Mark, what do you have to say for, for yourself? I, I have nothing. I am shamed. I, as, I, as I've been saying to the numerous people on Twitter who have been shaming me, mistakes were made. That is all. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> all right. Vince continues. Uh, I stumbled across an old Tom Says column wherein Tom Brevoort explains no prize for all those newcomers. I thought I'd send it your way. And so I'm going to put Vince's image they sent to us down here into the podcast. So take a look down at your, uh, your player and, uh, and you'll see the image he sent us of Tom Brevoort explaining uh, the wonderful no prize. Um, so keep up the great work and best wishes to you both, Vince. Yes, so I, I guess I should be looking more closely than anybody else at that image right there. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it your way, Mark. And uh, thanks for writing in, Vince. It's nice to hear from people in Australia. Uh, you're maybe our first write-in from Australia that we know about. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, let's, let's, let's get to the spider news. It's astounding. Time is... Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. I remember doing the crime war. So I guess the the big news and you know uh, Bleeding Cool and and SuperiorSpiderTalk.com have both been talking about these these linking covers uh, for uh, Superior Spider-Man 31, Amazing Spider-Man 1, and then a mystery third title that's going to come out in May, and obviously it seems to be related to the Spider-Verse. Uh, Bleeding Cool seems to be indicating it's going to be a Spider-Man 2099 title. And then in Superior 27, in the letters page, Stephen Wacker on his way out, sort of, kind of confirmed. How it's, how is it's it? confirmed? I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, it's, he did it in this typical Wacker way. Um, do you have the issue in front of you, Dan? Can you read it? Uh, so in the final uh, uh, paragraph, well, he alludes to it earlier as there is no plans for. Uh, a 2099 book, but then in his, fi his final paragraph before leaving, he says, while Twitter and message boards have taken over a lot of the back and forth in this day and age, to me there's no replacing the thrill in finding and debating like-minded fans and discovering bits of tidbits and news on a page like this, referring to the letters page. And, and news has an asterisk, and these, uh, the footnote says, for example, the Spidey 2099 series that Ellie is putting together for later in the year would be a great bit of surprising news, if it were true, that is. And um, knowing someone like Steve Wacker, it is most definitely true. Yeah, I mean, and, and if it's not, then we have another mystery third title that's still coming out in May. So either way, Spidey books, yay! Huzzah! 
I love it. I, you know, I, I'm excited, and you know, we'll see if it's Peter David. We'll see if it's Dan Slott. Either way, I, I, I feel like we all saw this coming when they brought Miguel O'Hara back in in Superior 17. I think I think this was kind of inevitable, and uh, you know, I hope I, I hope this is a fun ride, right? Yeah, absolutely. It seems to be that it's going to be Peter David based on all the speculation. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Definitely. And, and it goes along with what I was saying last week. It could be a whole title that doesn't have to deal with Peter Parker in multiple places at the same time. So I'm happy and you're happy. We're all happy. <laughs> so then uh, maybe something that's not as happy is uh, we got some news uh, in, the, in the past week about uh, that, that was confirmed more or less from, uh, I know, Lee, uh, Steve Lieber. Did Nick Spencer confirm it too, Dan, or was it just Lieber? Well, Lieber, I don't know if he confirmed it, but he alluded that if the book sales didn't pick up, this would yeah. be happening. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, at issue number 15, Superior Foes of Spider-Man is going to be canceled. Um, again, this was a bleeding pool uh, a scoop or, or, or speculation or whatever you want to call it. Um, which was, you know, they were looking ahead at the trade paperbacks and they noticed that um, they're going to be, you know, they, they collected issues one through six in the first book, but book two is going to be like seven to 15. Well, it was originally seven, only seven to 12, and then it changed in the list. Yes. That was what was curious about it. Yeah. So, and that's usually kind of a giveaway that, you know, closure is coming. I mean, you know, we, we, we we found out we talked about in our last issue that it got extended beyond the twelve issues. But I mean, I guess I'm not shocked that it would end at fifty. You know, that it wouldn't go that much further past twelve. I mean, it seems like nothing goes past twelve anymore, anyway. But I mean, in terms of in terms of this title, I mean, it's kind of a miracle that a concept as great as it is, and I love this book to, to death. Um, it's kind of a miracle that it's that it's even got extended past twelve, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, I don't know who the audience for this is other than people like us. Um, I mean, like, I think the audience is everybody if they pick it up. But, you know, with a title like that, you know, um, it, you know you're going out for a very select group of people. And, um, you know, I mean, maybe we get a dangerous foes when, when, when amazing or amazing foes of Spider-Man when, when amazing relaunches. But it seems to me like 15... I'm not entirely – I'm upset like you know, because I always want to read this book. But you know, a nice contained story in 15, in 15 issues, that's not so bad either than something going on well past its due. Yeah, so thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we get into new ways to die? For today's classic comic section, we're talking Amazing Spider-Man numbers 568 to 573, also known as New Ways to Die by Dan Slott, one of his uh, you know, runs during the Brand New Day storyline, featuring uh, a battle between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin, which is why we chose to talk about it. And Mark, you featured this battle on your site recently, correct? Yes, it's, this clocked in as number 10 on my Green Goblin storyline list that I've been running uh, all through February and into, into March. So, yeah, I, I, this is a favorite story of mine uh, for, for a number of reasons. But, um, you know, you also, you also have to mention that in addition to Dan Slott, this, this marked a return uh, to Spider-Man for John Romita Jr. Uh, on pencils. And, you know, it's got that vintage JRJR look all throughout it. Um, but... Um, you know, I thought this was a good one for us to talk about, not only because of the Goblin connection, but also because this was slot writing Norman Osborn, 
um, not in secret. <laughs> it was, you know, there's there are a number of scenes where where Norman is just out of uh, you know with out of costume. This is during the Thunderbolts era where Norman is working uh, in 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 concert with Shield to track down and and apprehend all the unregistered super powered people uh, post Civil War and um, you know so the Thunderbolts of course has. Uh, the the max uh gargan ven- uh venom it's uh bullseye it's songbird it's uh ra- it, it's a radioactive man I, I i always confuse the dude in the suit yeah uh um and then um am i leaving somebody else out on on the t-bolts there yeah, I, think you got, I think you got everyone okay so um but you know kind of looking at how Dan Slott writes Norman here and then trying to look at how he's been writing the Green Goblin. You know, I, I was going to say up until Superior 27, I didn't know if those two characters were kind of synced up. But I feel like in th- th- there definitely seems to be more similarities now. What, I mean, what's what's your take on this, Dan? Yeah, you know, I reread this last night and I just read 27 now uh, today. Uh, and I was going to say the same thing as you, like you know what, this might prove that it's not Norman because it doesn't sound like the same guy. But then again, like you said, reading today's issue, I was like, wow, uh, actually this sounds exactly like the same guy. Um, you know, just in a different circumstance. Um, you know, one, he's, he's at the height of his power and, and, and uh, I guess, freeness in the world. And here he's kind of operating underground um, with that same cocky attitude, the... The you know what I'm going to invite you down into my lair and then sit you down at the table and offer you second string position uh, that occurred in 27. Like that seems like this Norman from this book. Yeah, and then when you decline, I'm going to blow you up, and then oh, I couldn't blow you up, and I'm going to blow up your island. You know, I mean, it's like that. That always has the upper hand, Norman, and. Um, you know, one of the reasons also why I put this on the uh, my top ten list was because I, I appreciated. The, the, the dynamic between uh, Peter, Spider-Man, and Norman uh, in, in these issues because this was this was the first Norman-Peter interaction post one more day, brand new day, brand new day with the mind wipe about his identity, and you know throughout these stories, Slot kind of teases that Norman is going to stumble upon it and then doesn't. Which you know we would find out because of this what they call it the blind spot or whatever the whatever the heck it is in terms of his identity um, and why it can't be discovered unless Peter willingly unmasks himself right is that is that how the the rules work in in Brand New Day Yeah it did up until uh, Spider Island when he made that unfortunate uh, message to all of New York about um, standing up against the spider enemies or whatever Right exactly but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 just a it's fun to have that dynamic. I mean, you know, for the longest time, I mean, I guess what made Green Goblin special was the fact that he knew uh, Spider-Man's secret identity and you know was able to use that for very personal means. Obviously, with you know, in terms of Gwen Stacy and others. Um, but you know, like kind of like going back to it's this that's a going back to the basics with the character. And the fact of the matter is, even without. Norman having that information, he still because of who he is and the power he is, the power he has, and and just his his devious nature, he still holds all the, all the cards in this relationship, which is just kind of frightening when you think about it. Not to mention that he has the Thunderbolts at his you know beck and call, and they're a formidable team. I mean, each one of them is a formidable enemy. Yeah, no question. I mean, Bullseye, Bullseye by himself. Well, I always liked how Bullseye was kind of used as like the caged animal that they would unleash, and and and, and Spider Man gets to get, gets to get his shots in at Bullseye in in this in this uh, storyline, which was a lot of fun for, to to see too, because you know, Bullseye kind of like gets portrayed as almost this like, you know, upper 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 tier villain sometimes. So it's always good when Spider Man gets out ahead of one of those guys. Yeah, I really like that this story, I mean, it's kind of a breezy story. There's so many things going on, uh, like, you know, Slot likes is known for doing. Um, you know, and, and you read this, and, and each week to week when this is coming out, when it was coming out three times a month, this was fun to read because, like, the twists kept coming faster and faster, and you always knew that you were going to find out what was coming up real soon. Um, but it, you get, it gave a real sense that Peter was maybe going to have a hard time making out of this alive but um every, you know this 
story really rewards Peter's smarts and, and ingenuity. Um, you know, there's a sequence where he uh, he realizes that you know they're using his you know spider like chest symbol that he's used to trace himself with the photos to attack him, and he throws it back at Bullseye and gets Bullseye shot with all the bullets. And um, and I really like that moment because it's a classic Peter Parker like. I'm going to use my smarts instead of my bronze to get out of this. Yeah, although I will say that that of of this all the things in the storyline that happened that that whole spider the tracer within the ca- with the camera and the sig and the symbol um, kind of bothers me a little bit. It bothers me on a couple of levels because you know you have that scene in um, I think it's the third part. I'm 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 mixing up which issue it might be where Norman is you know kind of going over things with with the thunderbolts and he's like look at this look at look at look at where he's positioned in these in these um photos and this camera i i found uh that belonged to peter parker and and what does this make you conclude that he's got a you know there's there's technology and 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 then peter parker's just some some noob that's that he uses as a cover to take photos of himself and i was like huh like how do like <laughs> like <laughs> like okay so so how how many how many pretzels are we gonna twist to 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 keep this you know charade of his identity alive you know I, it, that that just that that kind of frosted my cookies when reading it because like you know the Norman Osborn that we know and love I mean he he would not have come to such an offbeat conclusion yeah you know, well there's magic in play or something like that. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is this is where the brand new day stuff kind of falls off the rails for me from time to time, you know. But that doesn't. It's it's one scene in, in an otherwise really good story. So I don't. I, it didn't ruin it for me or anything. But it's like it was definitely the one thing where I was just like, what? No. It's a total <laughs> Clark Kent moment. Like it's like, oh, Clark is such a bumbling oaf. He couldn't be Superman. Like he's like, it couldn't be Peter Parker. But I, I don't believe that in the world of Marvel Comics. You know, maybe DC Comics can pull that off. But in, in gritty old Marvel, I don't, I don't buy that they look the other way. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the other big thing in this series is this marks the, uh, the, the birth of Anti-Venom, which was Eddie Brock's new persona, you know, the, the cancer-ridden Eddie Brock's new persona via the, the uh, cure provided to him by Mr. Negative. Uh, uh, which makes him into a, a symbiote killing machine, I guess, or or, or anything with radio, is it anything with radioactive radioactive powers? I guess yeah, he, any uh, kind of impurity, I think. Yeah, um, I, I I always kind of like the anti venom um, personality for Brock. I mean, I thought it was just a kind of a different kind of um, character turn. Plus, it gave it, it gave you know a nice little subplot between uh him and and the and the scorpion venom and it, and it puts uh venom uh gargan venom back in a, in a scorpion suit at one point too for for added uh you know giggles um what what did you think of anti venom yeah i think he's okay in this storyline but i liked him a lot more in spider island where he kind of goes into like full like martyr mode um like he becomes the healer in the church and stuff and i think that really fits with like Eddie Brock and his kind of like turn. You know, he's always been a like a deeply Christian uh, character, although with a twisted sense of morality. And I think that kind of plays in, you know into that. There, I, I like when they where they took him with it, and I think this is the first sign of that. And so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, but I thought even more interesting in this story was how they used Mister Negative and um and the martin lee character a, a character that i think like had a really cool premise and then was possibly bungled through interpretation of different writers um but this this interpretation of him i think is the most interesting there's a moment where he says he has a game of go on his uh on his uh desk that he keeps coming back to and says he doesn't know how the dark pieces are moving um, and he has these like barricaded walls, and he starts turning into Mister Negative at the end. And I thought that was a really interesting turn for the character. He's like almost like unaware of his other personality, but that didn't really turn out to be the case in the end. Yeah, but no, I mean I agree with you. Mister Negative is probably one of my favorite of the of the brand new day new villains that they introduce. I love to see him come back. Yeah, and I, I the, the the series that I really loved him and thought he was a perfect fit for was that cloak and dagger mini they did during spider island yeah um and you know like you talk about who mr negative is and his powers i thought in terms of 
pairing him with Cloak and Dagger was just was just you know serendipity. But of course, it seems like Cloak and Dagger is just not a series that's gonna at least in the in the you know six one six universe is not gonna take off on its own anytime soon. But yeah, um, but regardless, uh, you know, I, I agree with you in terms of how he was used here and and, and his role in all this. Which I mean, you know, it, 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 you know, when, you, when I find when we talk about this, and when I was writing about this on Chasing, I mean, you know, this this series, the storyline does have like its token slotisms where you wonder maybe we had one or two storylines too many. Um, you know, we also have Harry, Harry, and the coffee bean, and like he's going to franchise them out. We had Menace and Lily, and you know, with the Hollister family um, situation, kind of, and the, the mystery evolving there, and who's stealing the goblin equipment from Norman's, uh, uh, you know, Norman's estate or whatever. Um, it, it's just a lot of stuff going on. Although we do, we do get blessed with perhaps one of the greatest images of all time, which is Norman Osborn holding a world's greatest dad mug. That might be one of my favorite drawings of him. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, with, with the word saying it's in our blood, which I believe has been used in superior from the goblin, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was, uh, in, um, I, th- I believe it was in superior Spider-Man team up. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, again, for those keeping score at home, it's who's the goblin. I um I do want to talk about how busy you think this is, and I, I agree with you. It is busy, but I kind of like, and I feel like it's kind of been missing in Superior. Is like kind of and I, because I think it's going for loftier things. Is kind of how like uh, street level this story is, and how much like New York politics is in this, and like it feels like a very New York and uh, like story. Like it feels like we go into apartments. We we're talking about buildings blowing up. Like. New York is definitely a character in this and, and the people on the street. And I really enjoyed, you know, going to the newspaper. And it, there's a, it, it's a, it reminded me a lot of, like, a Stern and, and DeFalco era on the book. Oh, absolutely. No, no without question. I mean, I, I mean, heck, even the, the Stanley Ramita era, too. And, I mean, Ditko, too. But um, it, it's it, it's definitely a throwback in terms of, of, of that. I mean, when was the last time we saw the coffee bean? In an issue, yeah, no, it's been quite a while. I mean, uh, granted, Harry's not around anymore, or is he? Ugh. Oh, well, you know, I mean, like, but I mean, these are still places. This was still part of this this living universe. You know what I mean? This yeah. this evolving universe, and and um, you know, we 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 don't get to see that as much, even 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 in the issues that really seem to want to focus on New York. I mean, we got in in Superior twenty seven, we got that shot of the Brooklyn bridge up front. But after that, there wasn't much New York in this issue. So I don't know if that's a byproduct of, of Ramita jr. Doing the pencils, but, um, it just didn't feel as this, this, like you said, the city wasn't a character. There were uh, two things I wanted to bring up. One actually dealing with the city, um, uh, in this issue are these, these issues that I think are interesting. First off, it's like, what is up with Norman Osborne's hair in, in, in this, in these books? It's Osborne hair. I don't know. What, what, what do you mean? What is up? <laughs> he, has, he has like a mohawk throughout like half of the, the drawings of him and the colorings of him. It's, I always thought it was odd in, in these stories, like the way the colorist went with the hair. But um, another interesting thing is when they go in, there's a great line where uh, Harry mentions that Norman um, has built this building close to the Queensborough, or not the Queensborough, the George Washington Bridge. So we can have a view of the bridge. And it's meant to be this kind of sick, sadistic thing where it's like he gets to look over where Gwen Stacy died. And uh, it brings up that age-old question, like, where did Gwen Stacy die? Um, right. Yeah, it was at Brooklyn. It was it – because was, in the text it said GW, but the, the, the bridge that's depicted was clearly the Brooklyn Bridge, right? Yeah, a, yeah. Uh, and, but then they've gone and corrected that in the past. Uh, yeah. I missed that scene when I when I was rereading these issues. That's a good catch, Dan. Yeah, it always it always bothered me because it's like you know the books are you know completely inconsistent in what it is, and it seems like they settle on the Brooklyn Bridge, but there it is, Queen the the George Washington Bridge, being brought up uh, yet again. That and the fact that I mean the GW Bridge is like way up there. Yeah, in, it's in not. Time. It's not. It's not necessarily like where you're where you're building. You know, penthouse buildings. You know. Yeah, it's not. It's. I mean, they're they're not like mistakable for each other. You know. 
no, no. I mean, you know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bridge, you know, you're, 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 we're talking, you know, if you have a view of the Brooklyn Bridge, you're in lower Manhattan, you're in prime real estate. You know, I, I used to live in a, in a neighborhood where, you know, depending on what floor of the building I was in, I could see the GW Bridge. And I got to tell you, I lived in that area because I could afford to live in that area. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so. I just would wonder the, uh, the, the, where that line comes from. Like, what is the birth, the genesis of him saying that in this book? Was it a mistake of slots part? Did he go back and do research on the original issue and see it in print and decide this is it, this is where it was, despite the imagery? I don't know. I always thought that was really curious. Um, but um, I wanted to, let's talk about the actual fight between the Green Goblin and Spidey in this because it's not particularly long, is it? Really, it's really just one issue, and and it's like half of that one issue. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, you know we're kind of building, 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 and it's not the most exciting fight. I mean, it's it's typical Norman in that um, you know the fire breaks out and it's like oh who and they they, they reveal the the. Um, the people that are being tested on in the back room. And it's like, so what, what are you going to do? Are you going to let these people die or, and, and, and try and bring me to justice when, when basically no one's going to believe you anyway, or are you just going to save these people? And it's like, Oh yeah. Norman, Norman wins again. Yeah. Although there is that one moment that I'll never forget because I think it might be the most violent I've seen Spider-Man get is where he grabs Norman on the glider and holds his face forward and just drives him through the wall. And Norman legitimately shouts, like, stop, you're going to cave my head in. Yes, yes, that's that That was pretty extreme. And then there's, there's also a line about seeing your little goblin, which I thought was a little little juvenile not (laughs) not not on the same level of violence but i mean like you know not not i didn't feel that was one of slots better zingers yeah yeah just just some crazy stuff (laughs) but you know a a a good a good stroll down memory memory a good stroll down memory lane uh in terms of uh classic goblin stuff i mean and certainly one of the in terms of amazingly i think this was the last spidey norman exchange right yeah no there was um the american sun afterwards that's right that's right that's right um but that was more iron patriot i guess i guess i don't count it when it's not like when he's not in goblin attire but but no you're right it's still it's 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 one of the newer one of the newer uh entries in this long simmering feud but still a fun one absolutely well, guys, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, please leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll be sure to read it on the air. If you guys have any opinions on these comics or any questions, please email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we'll address and read them on the air. Yes, and be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superior spider talk because it's a great place to keep up with us in between shows as we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and also gives us inform- gives you all information about how to get in touch with us. Yeah, it's been a real hotbed on there recently, so I, I really encourage everybody to get there. No, no doubt, no doubt. So, so Dan, where can we find you on uh, social medias and internets? Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdan, or uh, you can uh, go to my website, dangavazdan.com. You can read my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com, where this week I have um, a bunch of Netflix recommendations if you're looking for something to pass President's Day weekend with. And... Um, uh, you can f- follow all the Spider-Man stuff I do at su- superiorspidertalk.com. We have some great pieces uh, uh, up last week. That we have a, a character bio of the Crime Master. And um, this upcoming week, we have a bunch of new great pieces coming up. One from you, Mark, I- I'm, I'm sure. Yes, it's 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 coming, or or maybe by the time you all listen to this, it's there. So, uh, but I don't, I don't want to spoil it yet. Okay, great. So uh, come check out superiorspidertalk.com and follow us on Twitter at sup spider talk. Sup. So, Mark, what about you? <laughs> you can find me as always at www.chasingamazingblog.com. Uh, as I was saying, that Goblin uh, Top 10 Goblin Story Countdown continues through the end of February into March, so keep checking that out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMBlog. You can find me on Facebook at 
facebook.com slash chasing amazing uh you can find my gimmick or good column about 90s gimmick comic books at the comics should be good blog and actually uh in, about a week or so ago uh comic book resources ran a two-part story i did about the secret identity of the hobgoblin and the secrets behind the secrets which uh took some of our uh our interviews from superior spider talk and some other ones that i conducted independently and and crafted a you know a little little mystery thriller for y'all about about our favorite our favorite orange cloaked goblin right yeah it was a really nice piece piece mark you know it's kind of cool to see all of our uh interviews be uh put to for something and uh and, and also to maybe put to rest your ongoing insanity about the hobgoblin yeah well you know it w- w- i don't know if it will ever truly end so uh you know but at least at least for this we we got to share it with the broader broader populace and it seemed pretty well received for the most part uh you know the, the only negative comment i heard was someone someone mentioned why wasn't there more lines batted in this article they, really, <laughs> someone really did write that I, I i just had to laugh at that yeah so. that's really funny um you know, the, the hobgoblin is like your zodiac killer yes exactly so um so yeah so um that's that's all my stuff dan so any 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 fun goodbyes for us any 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 strangers or uh, any other ways to get to our our awesome salutation no mark just say it Uh, with great podcasts must also come superior spider talk